The situation in Ukraine goes back to the end of the Cold War in 1991, which created 15 independent new nation states in Eastern Europe uh, and resulted in a great wave of optimism about uh, Europe's future uh, and the possibility of bringing peace, stability, and order to Europe after 40 or so ruinous years of Cold War confrontation and struggle. Uh, on the Western side of the story, you had the spread of NATO across Europe uh, into in Eastern and, and Central Europe, uh, which in the 1990s was looked upon as a entirely positive and optimistic venture. Uh, on the Russian side, you had a shift from the 1990s uh, to a new perspective under the figure of Vladimir Putin, who felt that the expansion of NATO was pursued at the expense uh, of Russia. Uh, in this rising disagreement, difference of outlook, the country that fell in the middle, that fell in between, uh, was Ukraine, which did not enter the NATO alliance in the 1990s uh, or thereafter, but started to become much more closely affiliated with the West uh, and in a limited sense with NATO after an uprising, political uprising in Ukraine in 2014 that exchanged one government uh, for another. Uh, this uh, change in Ukraine in 2014 also elicited a change in the Russian position, whereas before Russia had been opposed uh, to Ukraine having a Western affiliation, having a relationship with the NATO alliance. Uh, after 2014, Russia became much more aggressive about inhibiting that outcome. And so you had, in 2014, uh, the annexation of, uh, of Crimea and the invasion uh, of eastern Ukraine. How has the situation changed since 2014? Well, in the interim between 2014 and the present moment, you had uh, a long process and effort at diplomatic agreement, which goes by the name of the Minsk diplomatic process after the capital city of Belarus, where this process was negotiated. And this was supposed to resolve the politics on the ground in eastern Ukraine, get the Russians to withdraw uh, their military from eastern Ukraine and return Ukraine and, and, in a sense, Europe to a state of normalcy. None of these objectives were met in the last seven, eight years. And what's changed in the last eight, nine months uh, is namely a large military buildup uh, in Crimea, uh, in the occupied parts of eastern Ukraine uh, and around Ukraine, uh, where Russia has brought military hardware uh, and troops in such a way that it has the potential to mount uh, a very substantial land invasion of the country. Russia has also, in the last couple of months, added to this military buildup uh, an extremely categorical kind of diplomacy where conditions and ultimatums have been put forward, have been given to the West about denying Ukraine entry into NATO, ending NATO expansion, returning NATO to its 1997 uh, configurations, uh, and in effect, uh, having the West sort of pull back uh, in Eastern and Central Europe. This is something that the West is not going to accept and hasn't accepted uh, so far. Uh, although uh, the negotiations between the United States uh, and various European powers and Russia is uh, is ongoing and we're living in a moment of, you know, sort of great diplomatic excitement as to whether something can be uh, achieved or whether this impasse will turn uh, more in a military uh, direction. This leaves Russia with uh, a couple of options. Um, one thing that Russia could do is outright invade the country. Uh, seeking to partition it, to topple its government, to create a condition of chaos on the ground, uh, and thereby 
to make Ukraine a kind of de facto buffer zone between uh, Russia and the West. Uh, it's also very possible that Russia's buildup, military buildup, is pursued in the name of uh, a different kind of diplomacy that it wants to achieve its ends of Ukrainian neutrality and greater Russian influence in the region, not through war preferably, but through a kind of hard-edged uh, diplomacy, diplomacy backed by the threat or the use of uh, of military force. Uh, and it's anyone's guess as to which path Russia is going to choose. Of course, this in turn creates a, a choice, a series of choices for the United States and its European partners uh, and allies, uh, including uh, Ukraine. Uh, there is a military option uh, of building up uh, Ukraine into a kind of bulwark against uh, Russian influence and uh, Russian military pressure. To a degree, that's a policy that's already being pursued, but that could be done uh, much more forthrightly. Secondly, uh, the West can use its major tool in the situation, which is its economic power and economic leverage, to pressure Russia to back off uh, and move in a more conciliatory uh, direction. Uh, or there's a kind of third option. All of this can be pursued simultaneously if that's the desire uh, that there could be a search for a diplomatic solution to the problem, which would entail some degree of give and take on the part of the West, perhaps flexibility over the issue of exactly how NATO is to be structured uh, and configured. Uh, and the hope behind that diplomatic initiative is that it would be taken up by Russia, that it would allow for Russia to soften its position and you would get uh, a kind of steady and slow uh, unwinding of the problem. That's the optimistic outcome if it's feasible and doable. And the other outcomes are, of course, there uh, for the worst case scenarios if they come to pass.